Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another great episode of the podcast. So today I'm excited because we're going to talk all about the business development side of adding conflict management coaching as a service with Cine Noble. And by way of background, if you recall, in episode 14, Cine and I chatted about conflict management coaching. We talked about what it is, how it's used, and the importance of distinguishing between the skills needed for conflict management coaching versus the skills needed for mediation. And because that episode was so popular, I thought it would be great to have Cine come back on the show to talk about the business development side of adding conflict management coaching as a service. So just as a quick refresher, uh, a brief background about Cine. Cine is the founder of Synergy Coaching, a division of Noble Solutions, Inc. A former social worker and lawyer, Cine is a chartered mediator and coach who has studied and practiced a range of conflict management services for over 20 years. So with that, Cine, welcome back to the Mediate.com podcast, and thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you so much, Veronica. It's a delight to be here again. Nice to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you too. And I'm so excited that we're able to do this again. Like I said, you know, as I've mentioned to you earlier, I mean, your episode has been so popular that you know, I thought it'd be great to have you back on the show and, and talk about this business development side. It's such a great, great area because we don't often talk about that and it gets, it gets left aside. So I'm really glad you thought you'd like to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I thought maybe a good place to begin would really be just to talk about the training aspect. And so I'll, I'll just kind of start with a comparison to mediation. So I remember when I first started as a mediator, the big thing was to figure out where was I going to do my training and what should I expect from a training program? And I imagine when it comes to conflict management coaching, I imagine a similar thing that getting that you know, a good initial training is really critical to kind of set you up for success. I know that you can't talk about all the training programs out there. So I thought I would ask you, you know, can you tell me what are the components of your particular conflict management coaching training? Um, it's a good question. And, and there are definitely other trainers besides our group that do this. And, and yes, you're, I cannot speak to them, but I would find, so generally in coach training, uh, the like in mediation, the best uh, way people learn is by practicing. And so I in our program, there is a, a huge component of skills practices. And that really requires people to start to use the model that they learned. So they, they, you know, being able to demonstrate what it is and then having people practice and then having people practice again and practice some more and then um, do fishbowl and some way to, to repeatedly be exposed to the ways that people will use who they are as a coach by incorporating what the model just is is the framework of the model into developing their own style and so that there's a lot of work done uh, around practicing and i would say uh, as I, when i took my skills training the the um i do we have international coaching uh, federation comp core competencies to meet and one of the things that's done by uh, international coaching federation is you can get core competencies or resource development. And core competencies means that you actually are practicing and learning through practical ways. 
as opposed to reading uh, uh, and studying with resource development. And so the our training is really heavy on the core competency. Um, since we've all found that the best way to learn is to coach. Um, also, uh, our training ha is has a lot of field work in it, which means people need to prepare through reading. There's a questionnaire uh, based on my book before they come to see if they've grasped the, the major concepts. And throughout the program, there's work that people do, reading and um, and working together around different kinds of aspects of what they are learning, whether it's intake or um, you know, how to manage people with you know high emotions. And so heavy, heavy on that. I think uh, what I do know about what I try to do is to follow the core competencies in, um, in the International Coaching Federation by making sure that all of the types of skills that are emphasized, because many people go on to take coach training they really love coaching and so they get a basics a basis from the kind of training that we do and i would think anybody looking at it because a lot of people call themselves coach and they've never been trained and it's it's not you know to offer it out there people have certain expectations of what coaches do and so to know what that is to know the frameworks to know what coaching is as distinguished from mediation and advising and mentoring really important and all of that happens within in our training program oh yeah absolutely and so i'm wondering you know beyond that initial training and i know you mentioned too some folks may go on and take that additional coaching training as well so i'm wondering from the, the conflict management coaching standpoint how does one get those initial experiences coaching you know, is it through like I'm thinking back to my days early on in, in mediation? I mean, when you talk about mediation, you talk about people getting those early experiences through volunteering for an organization or, you know, maybe they're co-mediating. Do you see a similar setup in conflict management coaching? Yeah, you know, it's really it's so important. I think actually my mediation training and, and experience really informed what I wanted to do to make sure that people felt more confident and comfortable, but it's truly up to the participant. So, um, you know, people tr uh, practice afterwards with people they've met in the program. Um, I have a monthly um, newsletter that goes out um, on a different coaching topics. And in that are a list of people who say they want to practice. And um, and we also I also have some of our coach mentors and trainers who are certified in our model who charge to do that, uh, especially if people want to go on for what's called a competency assessment. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that as well. So people look for how am I going to practice before they go out there? And there are some organizations, federal government agencies particularly, um, that have said, are people being trained in coach conflict management coaching are um, need to be certified in the model before they are going to provide it. So that means practicing. And I would say the average is five times the full model before really people start to go, OK, I'm comfortable. I'm getting there. And um, and then they do an assessment and assessment requires them to do a recording that demonstrates that they've got the model to be certified in the model. Not everybody needs to go through that or wants to, and they go out and start to coach. Um, and some of those people come back saying, okay, I need more of the rigor that is required to do that. But the idea is that um, we want people to have as many opportunities and we encourage it and provide that. And similarly, um, in the newsletter, there's a, um, besides the information on who, 
who they could contact. Um, I hold a monthly teletalk, and that is on uh, on practice issues. And so they're free. Uh, they're on Zoom. People come from you know all over, and they come with. So usually they send me. You know, could we talk about you know like uh, what do you do with people that are um, resistant? And so we'll have, we'll you know converse on that, and we might even practice some along the way uh, how to do do with situations. So there's an ongoing learning that to me was a had to be part of what we were offering in order that people don't that they feel part of the community and that they've got a place to go to. You know, many people get trained and then they can't actually provide the service right away or it's weeks or months and then they feel lost. So we just wanted to build that in somehow for people to have an opportunity to do that. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, I can imagine that being incredibly helpful. And I'm curious, how many hours is your initial training? So I know you mentioned you had that ongoing assistance, um, but how many hours is that initial training? Well, it, when they're in person, that uh, it's usually a forty hours plus the field work that people do in the evenings or the, or before. Um, uh, virtually, it's average about thirty six hours, and then the, uh, so it's a little less, but there are still the same opportunities for people to continue on. Okay. And so now I kind of want to switch gears because I think this is my next question is probably something that a lot of people are wondering, um, getting clients. So how, you know, that that's the, that's the big question. So how does that work with conflict management coaching? So who, who are the clients? So is it our prospective clients, individuals that might, you know, hear about the conflict management coach or is the client an organization? Um, that would retain that conflict management coach, like maybe say an employer retains a coach that's going to be working with their employees as needed. How does that work in the conflict management coaching industry? Yeah, it's um, it's another great question, Veronica. Um, so how to get clients? I mean, that's a, the, so I do organizational work 95% of the time. And so uh, my clients are uh, people who are, in organizations, most of my clients are managerial, but it doesn't have to be. It hasn't always been. And they are people who have been having challenges with a conflict. Could be um, new managers going into positions where they are you know, not very conflict competent and they run into issues really quickly. Um, an example might be, uh, in fact, a recent example is somebody who was named as a manager in an organization. He competed against other people, including one of his closest friends. He got the job <clears throat> and now he's having conflict with that person uh, that his good friend and other people who were his co-workers. And so how you know, people get into managerial and executive positions and they've got fantastic skill and expertise in certain areas, but they don't always know how to have people skills and how to manage. So organizationally, that's how I would. But but many people, you know, the spectrum is really broad. It could be neighborhood disputes. It could be family. It could be estates. It could be any number of areas where there are people who are struggling with how they are. Uh, managing conflict. And remember, in our discussion, these are one on one. These aren't mediation clients. These are people who are saying, I've, I've got to figure out how to do this. I've got to be better at that. What am I going to do? And the actual getting of clients is something that is, it, you know, it does require to have a, an entrepreneurial spirit. 
And not all of us do. And many people who are trained in mediation came out at the end. I can remember many years ago teaching at the University of Toronto, and I was co-teaching with a, a workplace. It was a workplace mediation course. And one day we looked at each other and said, we are training like 40 people in this class, lots of practice, et cetera. There are not enough jobs out there for everybody, number one. This goes back about a years, and there are probably more jobs. And not everybody here as an entrepreneur is going to know how to start a business, go and get clients and what to do. I can tell you that there are many clients who want one-to-one -one work. And I would also tell you that many organizations have told me that when they are offered to their offer to their clients, do are there the people in, in organizations? Do you want mediation? Do you want coaching? Is it group work? People want coaching. They want to see if they can manage it by themselves, do that, do be able to get through it. Um, but by gaining some confidence and competence because it's more durable. It's not just dealing with the issues in dispute. So organizational is one place. Community centers, um, you know, churches, synagogues, uh, there are clients in every forum that you can possibly imagine as you would with mediation and getting them is require it really requires people to um if they don't already have entrepreneurial skills to develop them and I, I, this is really important you know because i'm an introvert by nature when i started in the business world many years ago i had to fend for myself in the business that I was in, and I didn't have those skills. And so I took classes and I took, you know, presenting. And um, I, I've recently had a colleague who told me that he went to uh, Yuck Yucks or Second City or one of those. They have these, you know, learning how to do stand up, scared silly of doing so, but because they make it fun, started to gain some confidence. And I can't say enough that if you don't have the entrepreneurial spirit there are I mean there's entrepreneurial coaching there are ways of learning but those clients in any kind of forum don't come easily without figuring out a way to tap into it how are you going to meet people and what are you going to do I will tell you a little story that just occurred to me I forgot this so it was over 20 years ago when I started in the coaching world and I took a course on marketing so the International Coaching Federation and other places are fabulous about offering business of coaching and um, you might need to be a member of those but if you look online you might be able to find courses to do that but it's actually learning how to be that person you can get all the practical advice about you know organizations or you know what what kinds of conflicts but to actually learn how to do that and um, I so a guru in the conflict in the coaching world um, spoke about uh, the marketing of coaching. And one of the things he said was, you know, write 100 people that you know and say, this is what I'm doing now. And this is in addition to X, Y, and Z. And if you know of people or this comes by your desk at any time, could you please keep me in mind? And I thought, first I thought, do I know 100 people? And then I thought, we all know people that we've met somewhere, we've picked up cards, we've met somewhere that might be interested to know what you're doing. And in the moment that you do it, they may not ever need you that at that period of time but if it comes up then they have this this reference so it was it was one of the many ways of thinking outside of the box that's what we are trained to do and to start to think about how do I let people know how what do I call it how what's my elevator speech how am I going to learn how to how to uh, convey this to people uh, who's interested and it really takes a lot of um, coming out of ourselves. And if if you're introverted like I am, it's a lot of work. Well worth it. 
and it works in many ways uh, to our benefit. But it's those are just I mean, I could go on and on about this, Veronica, so I'm going to let you ask other questions. Um, but there's there are a lot of um, I will say that the International Coaching Federation and other coaching entities have done a really good job of selling the idea of coaching in the world. So when I first started doing this and went to a few organizations, they already knew what coaching was. It wasn't new. And now that years of conflict management coaching being out there, there are lots of people that know their specialties within the coaching field. And so it's not particularly a new concept. You just need to really know what you're talking about and be skilled at it in order to be able to sell it. That makes sense. And I'm, I'm so happy that you brought up, you know, the, the whole concept of just embracing being an entrepreneur. Um, and from what you're saying, I mean, you know, it sounds like if someone is thinking about adding this to their menu of services, you know, be prepared to be self-directed, to take initiative, to put yourself out there to try to get clients because it may not necessarily just come to you, right? That you have to be prepared to work for it. And, you know, I, I'm with you. Like you talked about being an, an introvert. I mean, I, I think of myself more as an introvert and just sort of this idea of selling can seem kind of you know, intimidating to me. And so, you know, you kind of mentioned essentially minds, like changing your mindset. What I've had to learn to do is think of, instead of thinking of things as selling, think of relationship building. Because I think to myself, I'm, I'm good at relationship building. I can do that one-on-one. -on -one. But if I think of selling, it just makes me want to cringe and not do it. So yeah, I hear you. It's true, and, but there's other, you know, there's lots of ways. I think working on yourself to do that will never, will never be a mistake. And while even the idea of it seems scary, it did seem scary to me too. And I can remember my sister took a course on a public speaking, loads of those around as well. And she said, and I had a keynote speaking. This was way back. This is actually before I was, uh, I was in the conflict management field. And um, I, but I had to give a keynote speech in what, in what I was doing. And she said, well, I just learned that you should practice 30 times, 30 times. And so I practice and I practice and I probably did at least 30 times. And I was like, cool as a cucumber. I felt really good. I got up there. I knew it. And I knew that I could be, you know, go off on something that I occurred, but I would go back because I knew it so well. And I never looked back after that. I practiced at least 10 times when I've got major speeches to do and, and probably more. And it was one of the many things. And the other things that people can do. So. You know, I think I think that it's important to look at how do you want to communicate out there and who, who are the people you want to do that with? And so it's a goal. It's a real coaching question. Who's your audience? Like, who do you want to attract? What who who is it? Is it everybody um, and any any and which is is fine. Anybody dealing with conflict. But if it's organizational, how you approach organizations different than if it's small businesses or, you know, families or neighborhood. So even if it's all those, it's those audience need to be tapped in separately. And it's strategizing about, well, how do I reach those people? And some of that for me was interviewing. I went to organizations where I was mediator and uh, and they weren't just organizations. I've been at, at, at some churches and synagogues and other places. And I said to them, um, this is what I'm doing now. Um, how how would this appeal to people like what what who, how would you reach people and how, how do you normally let people know if there are services that you would recommend and people have lots of ideas because they have they need to themselves 
look at how they are going to sell ideas internally, whatever, wherever that is. Um, the other thing is like, a lot of people in the in the DR field advertise market to their own. They're not the people using coaching. Like it's great to be on as many, you know, as you want of LinkedIn, Twitter. Those aren't your clients. So it's if you've got the audience in mind, then that's who you go for. And you look at, oh, no, I want to get HR because they're going to refer to me to organizations. Okay, I'm going to get on the HR LinkedIn and and then and drop ideas here or there. You know, do a little, you know, comment on things. Start to become a thought leader in at Twitter, LinkedIn, all social media that knows how to talk to conflict management coaching of what it is even if you make a statement oh it sounds like that person might might be a benefit from one-on-one -on -one work from conflict management coaching um I'll, I'll add that i refer to it as conflict management coaching it's also um known as conflict coaching the interesting thing i found and which is great i mean it's good to, to have different names some people say it's communications coaching or you know they have diff different kinds of names that would uh, relationship coaching um it just it's it's telling what it is if you're trained in conflict coaching you can't do career coaching right so it's being clear on what you're doing because you're going to be asked to describe it and come up with what what you are doing i switched to conflict management coaching because the general public knew the words conflict management and when I so I switched it, when I switched it, it came from just some research among colleagues about it um, and some friends about it and, and that I thought I would start to try it. And then I found I had a bigger uptake when I used that. But it doesn't mean you have to. It, it means looking at what is it that will appeal to your audience. So some organizations will say, don't use the word conflict. We, we don't have conflict. <laughs> we don't want people to know. And I think, well, Kali, you know, we need to normalize this. And so um, I so you might, uh, I mean, I think you have to be really clear with your clients because if they think they're coming for something other than managing conflict, then you need to, you need to be really clear about what it is that, you, that you're, you're able to do and, and name it accordingly. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. That makes sense. And, you know, I'm curious, so I, I'm not sure if there's any statistics out there or anything, but I mean, from your experience and those that you've trained, about how long do you think it takes from the time that you, you know, take an initial training to actually having conflict management coaching be a profitable part of one's business? How long can that take? Oh my gosh, I wish I'd had the, those numbers. I think it really varies a lot. I've seen people come out of the training, come and take our certification within a month. Many people want, you know, take more time to do that because they need more practice, want more practice, and they've added it as a bundle. You know, many people in the uh, DR world add um, conflict management coaching to their mediation practices, their facilitation. So they, they have a bundle of things that they offer. And so what I found was that when I was going back to the organizations where I was mediating, I would say, by the way, I have added this. So again, 25 years ago that or 23 years ago when I started, they, that many people were saying, oh, you know, some people knew coaching now, many do. So a lot of the groundwork is there. So I would say as soon as people feel ready, whether they go through the competency assessments or not, that if they are telling the places they normally mediate, what they have added to their repertoire, 
then it doesn't have to take very long if people are looking at like the idea of one-to-one work. And yeah, we've got people. I I will tell you that um, many leaders, including organizational and religious organizations and educational institutions, they don't want to go to mediation over, over coaching. They want to see if they can figure this out. And the durability of coaching is such that they are gaining the skills that they will be able to apply otherwise and don't really want to be sitting across from their, um, their, somebody who is their employee or, you know, their junior in a way. So I think that it's, if you're in those organizations is to be able to say, this is what I've added. Um, I, I did a lot of work when I started because coaching was, was relatively new and conflict management coaching as a specialty was brand new. And I did different things, which was I, like lunch and learns where I'd say, you know, I would talk to it. And this is before people were using the internet to the degree, degree that they do now. And Zoom, I don't even know if Zoom existed that time. Um, but I would go into organizations. I'm in Toronto. I'd go into organizations and hospitals. I used to be a medical social worker in my previous life. So hospitals like the idea that I would understand the culture, which is the other thing is, is looking at, you know, what have you done before? Because many of us have other careers. Um and I would do a lunch and learn, or I would do, say, this is what it's all about. And, you know, for instance, do you, you know, if you had, had get do something better at conflict, what would it be? And people kind of laugh and it's, it's letting people know I do demonstrations. I've done, you know, all, uh, you know, brought in a friend saying, I have to coach you today. Will you come in? And uh, so, you know, calling on people, if you're working it with a team, you can get the team to do that, you know, get some other buddy else. And it's really using as many resources as you already have to tap into to say what would it take how what would it take to tell people what are the best ways of communicating to people even in 10 minutes and be able to get that together what it's all about um there are other things that that I've done over time like I, when I first started I would offer um coaching for free uh that was a way for me to gain some skills but I would say you know I will give you know 3 hours uh, you know an hour each session over the next 3 weeks and and you can do however you want it um and if you're especially to the people like HR if it's an organizations or the head of of educational or religious institution or whatever who say that I can show you what it is and that way you can refer people or you might be able to use it and so you know, you need to be prepared to do that, but if you haven't got other work happening. It's a good use of your time and people will remember it and they will get what coaching is, not what they think it might be, the actual demonstration of it. So I've, I've done that repeatedly. And when I started out, I would go into organizations and it would, I called it a coaching blitz and it was offered to uh, through the HR. You know, we are looking at bringing in conflict management coaching. Do uh, we, We're going to have six people who want to try it out just so you can see what it is for referral basis or you know, to your colleagues or yourself or your, your staff members and never, you know, fill those slots. And it was a way of all they had to do was um, say, uh, would they would they use the service? If so, why? If not, why not? And I have held things like focus groups as well, saying, you know, what, what worked, what didn't, and how would you reach people here? What would they need to hear in order to take it up and decide that they would like to try it? So it's doing some very methodical thinking, out, working with the organization, saying, how would we reach people? This is what it is. So it's building on the relationships you already have and, and being able to figure out ways together how you can introduce something like this process. 
Yeah. And the one theme that I'm really pulling out of our conversation so far is just the the importance of almost having this like laser focus on the needs of the client, right? The needs of your prospective client. What do they need? How can you make it easy for them to want to use your services that you're offering? Exactly. So let's talk about the money now (laughs) because I'm curious. So how do conflict management coaches charge for their services? Is this a service that you bill a client an hourly rate? Is this some sort of like flat fee monthly retainer? How how does this typically work? Well, coaches do this really differently. Um, so there isn't one size fits all, and it's really about who you know how how you run your business. I know many people who do a flat fee. You know, they'll they'll say I you know I work for I work in eight eight sessions an hour each, and this is a, you know this is. Uh, my fee and pay half in advance and half at the end or the full amount in advance or halfway through before the next, you know, four sessions, four sessions. Um, it's one fee. I, myself, as a lot of coaches charge an hourly fee, I, I invoice at the end of a month and it includes um, it, the time that I'm with the client and uh, if if there's communications with, between sessions, which which there can be, that are longer than 15 or 20 minutes. I, you know, I've, I've done 30 minutes, 15 minutes, because sometimes people just say, oh, you know what happened? And I just want to run something by you. And if I'm still coaching, then I'm going to charge. So when I'm hired by the organization, I'll say I charge at the end of the month. It'll include the sessions and any extra time that might be required. Um, interestingly, I have never had people not pay. It, people pay, they pay on time, they, you know, and even in advance, uh, uh, advance, so a lot of people who've hired coaches before, they are used to uh, paying in advance, like that's a, at least a retainer of some sort. Um, so it varies a lot. And the amount if you're so this is if you're, um, you know, we're talking about people who are outside uh, contractors, um, the fees around coaching vary so much around the world. So wherever state you're in or province or country, the best way to find out the going fees is to see which chapter of a coaching chapter, like the International Coaching Federation has chapters all around the world, and the closest ones in your state or province or country, um, even to and to make contact with them and say, how do I find out what the going fees are? And that's the best way because it isn't just one fee. And many people I find... Um, I charge differently. If I'm working for a nonprofit, my fees are like half of what they will be for, with organizations who expect to pay uh, for coaching and will be suspect if you're charging less than the going rate. And so I needed to find out the going rate when I started. And that was through me and, and through the International Coaching Federation. So it really does vary a lot from from um, organization to organization and, and, and person to person. And, um, you know, I think... What I have found out over time is I think that organizations, particularly that I've worked with, are used to um, uh, certain amounts of fees and uh, block fees, flat fees, whereas educational institutions haven't always been religious, haven't been neighborhoods, you know, people in the neighborhood. One of the things that's really important, so a lot of people start out and they'll go to do neighborhood kinds of one-on-one coaching with people. And... They don't charge or they charge very little. Uh, and what what I think is important in a, the field of coaching generally, but I think conflict management coaching is that people will 
well, let me go back to say, I think somewhere along the line in the field of DR that we started to get quite arbitrary about mediations. They take three hours or six hours. And like, where did that come from? And so I think that the best way to market it is to say, we start with four sessions or six sessions, and they are, you know, 45 minutes a week, uh, you know, coming up with whatever you're training, what you're finding, because what many people think is, you know, it could be a couple hours. Well, the research that I did so that people get their brains get tired you know, they, and after like 50 minutes of, of digging deep and looking at themselves, not everybody wants to be there. And so it's having sessions ongoing. People have great insights between momentum builds. They start to learn. They start to think they build on the, what they're learning. And so I wouldn't say, oh, it's uh, can do it in three sessions. I think you will be doing a disservice to the field of conflict management, coaching and coaching if you think it can be done quickly. It doesn't mean a lot doesn't happen. And it doesn't mean that some people couldn't afford more. And that's what you have to work around. But if 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 it otherwise, I would say start to look at, I say to people, I, I said for years, a uh, minimum of six sessions. I'm now saying a minimum of eight because what I'm finding is that for durability, people need more. They need more time and they like it. They want to learn. They want to gain their competencies. So uh, I think it's don't, don't give short shrift to yourself, whatever you do. That's a long way of saying don't give short shrift to yourself. And and that's just good advice in, in many areas of life, right? <laughs> it's true. So with conflict management coaching, I'm curious, and I think I think you've kind of mentioned this, but I just want to confirm. So people who are offering conflict management coaching. Are, are you mainly a solopreneur, like this is your business, or do people ever, are there conflict management coaches that work together in an organization? How do you see that the service delivery occur? You know, I think, I think uh, certainly in federal government agencies, uh, Canada, US, Australia, people work, you know, as a pod and they, so they, are, you know, they work together and, they, and most people now are getting trained in conflict management coaching. And so they are used to working together. And then if they aren't available, someone else is, or if they want to have two different coaches to, to coach people for mediation. If you're a private contractor, um, I think, I think it's good to come up with a team uh, around uh, what you offer. Um, it for a number of reasons. So, so we can offer individually a range of things, which a lot, as I mentioned earlier, a bundle that people do. Um, when you work together, then you can be able to some some members in that group might take on the marketing and take on you know some pieces of it. You can build broader if you if you tap into everybody's skills. And if everybody's an introvert and doesn't want to talk to anybody, you're going to have to look for somebody who will and and do that. So people do work. Uh, together, people work individually. So I have, I uh, am an entrepreneur and I, I, I have my own practice. But if I can't take on, I've got a list of people who've been certified and I will turn and I'll send out, you know, where are you from? Some people want them in the same, now we can do more in person. Others don't care. Um, so I sometimes have thought when people say, well, look at, I work in the, in the, um, entertainment industry and is there anybody specific well if i happen to know anybody because some people like to know people understand the industry like mediation you don't always have to be you know know how to be an engineer to work for mediate and engineers but some people will ask that specifically i want someone who gets my culture and, and get back past this really quickly so it is good to have people and colleagues i have had colleagues who have said if you refer people over time, if you refer people, then I will, you know, kick back. I'll give you some funds for you know, for doing that, some percentage. Um, I did that for a lot of years. I don't do it anymore. We all decided that we weren't going to do that. And we don't want it to be um, thought of as a conflict of interest. 
So I think you know it's it's you know build your teams if you can even if they're not with you uh, if you can say that you offer a range of services then you've got other people and you can work out together you know well how will you jointly pay for marketing for instance or you know other ways to do it I think it's smart business practice to think about how to do that no matter what your forum is that makes sense and so I have I have one final question for you and I think you've kind of you've you've mentioned this throughout but. Um, I'm curious, you know, kind of, do you have any final thoughts about, you know, you've talked about things people who are wanting to add conflict management coaching should do, you know, like we talked about the training, the ongoing, like ongoing skill development and whatnot. And then you've already mentioned maybe something to avoid. So I wanted to piggyback off of that. I mean, any, any pitfalls, anything now that you have all this experience in, in, in adding conflict management um, coaching as a as a service to your business. Any pitfalls um, that you want to highlight for people who are thinking about this to avoid? It's a good question. You know, it, it's interesting, Veronica, talking to you about all of this. Like, I wish I knew then what I know now. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying to you is like, I know if I if I only that, maybe I would have taken a different view. I think some of the pitfalls are what I've mentioned. You know, one of them is um, marketing to your to other DR people, like looking is is being being very strategic, being very coach like about what is your goal, who's your audience or audiences, how do I reach them, um, where do they communicate? I know is it on Clubhouse? Is it in LinkedIn? Is it Reddit? Like where are the people that will be interested in getting one on work? It's really being so methodical. And the pitfalls are not doing the homework and ending up saying, you know, there are no clients out there. There are plenty of clients out there who want it. It's reaching people. I wasn't always very good. I didn't know how to do it until I started to think really closely about who my audience was going to be. Um, and I had started out actually looking at um hospitals because I had been a medical social worker and I knew that nursing care, I mean, think about through COVID, right? Uh, the how people are, uh, what's happening uh, with a lot of people, but I, that was really one of the markets that I aimed to get. And I had lots of clients there in, in my mediation and facilitation practice. And then I just wanted bigger and broader once I was able to do that, learned how to do it. I thought, okay, can I use this strategy? Otherwise, what else am I interested in? And so I think to love this work, it's it's uh, market to the to the people that you um, clients that are in industries or however they work that you really feel passionate about. If it's community, if it's you know, churches, etc., that you really think I've got something to offer because I really I love this. I'm passionate about you know supporting people in these forms and being really careful. It's a, it's a business plan. It's a, it's um, you know taking a course in entrepreneurship and being looking really closely at how do I build this and then gaining whatever skills to be able to do that or or tapping into the ones of a, of a group will, that will help that will support each other. Yeah, I totally hear you in terms of, you know, being an entrepreneur. I mean, you're right. Like it has to be something that you want to do because if it's your business, you're the only one who's going to be able to do it. Right. So you've got to be passionate about it because people will pick up on that. 
But I want to add, you know, even internally, Veronica, if you work in an organization, you need to be an entrepreneur and look at how are you going to reach people? Because many people have been trained and they go, well, how do we reach people? You need to do the same kinds of things. How will you market it? How will you demonstrate it? How will you show it? How will people embrace it? What are you doing differently? Are you sending out notes? Are you like, are you keeping it in people's face? Because when I wrote those letters years ago, I ended up getting three clients from that. I've got some of those same clients to this day. Didn't seem like much out of it. I ended up writing 50 letters. But internally, it's what do you, what, how are you going to reach people? And, um, and doing focus groups with people internally. This is what we do. What do you need to hear in order to take advantage of this kind of a process? What would be important to you? And be an entrepreneur around what it takes to sell because just saying you do it, people don't understand it at all. And so any ways that you've found things work before and looking at it, I've worked with organizations who who are trying to develop that entrepreneurship to reach people. And it is it. Again, if you're not an entrepreneur by nature, but you can do some really practical things that you really want to reach people so they know, not maybe today when they have that conflict, but when it happens, because the, the day you reach them isn't necessarily a conflict in their life, but it's how do you continually keep it in people's faces? And that's one of the hardest things when you're not an entrepreneur to know how to keep it in people's faces. So it's working together with your team and internally to say, what do we do? Who's taking turns? How are we going to do? Are we sending out you know, information? Like whatever that's going to be, it, it does require that part of you to, to, tap into that part of you. We all have it. We just don't always use it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and and thank you for adding that. Well, Cindy, this has been such a fun, fun conversation. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for hours about this. I mean, your, your passion about the topic <laughs> is going. <laughs> it's contagious. Um, I, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show again. You are always welcome, Cindy. And Thanks so much, and what I'll do is uh, I'll go ahead and I'll link to that first episode that you did with Mediate.com on the podcast. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode as well. So if there's any listener who hasn't had a chance to check out that first episode, they can do so. And you know, just as a reminder, can you go ahead and share if anyone wants to reach out to you, learn more about your work, how can they connect with you? All right. So Synergy Coaching, C-I-N-E-R-G-Y coaching.com. And I'm Cindy at SynergyCoaching.com. And if you go to my website, you'll see lots of articles, uh, recent article on pre-mediation or, you know, preparing people uh, with coaching, uh, coach-like um, and coaching mechanisms. Um, and I'm readily available. I try to get back within 48 hours. And um, any questions, I'm happy to hear from you. Thank you. And thank you for a great questions. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And I'll go ahead and link to your website as well. So that makes it easier for anyone. That's great. All right. All right. Well, like I said, thanks again, Cindy. And, and hopefully, hopefully sometime soon we'll have a part three. You never know, right? <laughs> about that. <laughs> appreciate it. And, and Mediate.com, I really appreciate that they're taking hold on this and, and making sure that people are getting informed. It's really great. All right. All right. Well, take care, Cindy. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Veronica. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. We'll talk to you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.